G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. But I wonder whether you spare a thought for what Christmas is like in many nations around the world where it's very, very difficult to be a Christian. To be a follower of Christ sometimes is accompanied by the threat of execution or of many other ways that persecution happens to Christian believers. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time this hour talking through what happens in other nations, what happens at Christmas time uh, when it's outlawed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And perhaps you'd like to be a part of our conversation this coming hour. We'll open our talkback lines from now on 1-800-316-316. You might like to add your thoughts, even your prayers for persecuted believers. Uh, You might like to let us know what you think Aussies will do if they do spare a thought uh, for persecuted believers this Christmas. You might even have some reflection on understanding the Christmas story and the connections there to persecuted believers. 1-800-316-316. Let's welcome our guest at the start of this hour, Tom Carr, who is the General Manager of Voice of the Martyrs Australia. Of course, Voice of the Martyrs founded way back in 1969 by Pastor Richard Wormbrand, who was imprisoned and tortured by communists in Romania. And that was over a period of 14 years And after being released, he raised a voice for persecuted Christians around the world. Let's welcome Tom Carr. Hello, Tom. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Tom, what an amazing story, the foundation for Voice of the Martyrs. When we talk about persecution of believers, uh, your founder, Richard Wormbrand, uh, what a champion of Christian faith. Absolutely. He certainly was. And he, um, you know, he, he understood it firsthand and he... He developed his, um, his his sort of understanding of theology, biblical theology, but also the the practical side of dealing with um, with persecution. And you know, was the, he was an amazing man, an amazing speaker, and he um, he was a real blessing to the Christian world. Well, we might talk some more about Richard Wormbrand as we go. We want to take time this hour, Tom, talking about persecuted believers in so many nations around the world and Voice of the Martyrs active in lots and lots of nations. Uh, When we talk about Christmas, I mean, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. Most families will have some sort of a Christmas tree. Uh, Some families will have a nativity scene where, you know, there's a uh, an image or uh, some sort of a uh, formation there of uh, the baby in the manger and uh, and Mary and Joseph and, and uh, you know, shepherds coming and uh, those sorts of things. We're going to have a, a way that we can, in fact, demonstrate uh, this birth of 
the Saviour, the Son of God, and we have the ability to do that in a free way. In fact, in so many places, encouraged to really acknowledge the reason for the season that is Jesus Christ. Of course, there's others that are trying to uh, sweep Jesus out of Christmas. But let me just ask you to reflect on Christmas in other nations, other countries where persecution is rife. Uh, will there be a celebration this Christmas? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. There are um, different situations in different nations. I was, I was speaking to um, one of our staff members who came out of Iran um, years ago, and he was telling me that in Iran, Christmas is um, celebrated underground. So it's the you know families still get together and have a feast. Um, they still give thanks for their savior, but they have to do it in complete hiding. Um, and the, the problem with Christmas in many of the nations where Christians are persecuted and, and where they are at risk when they're um, found acting out their Christian lives, often we, we find that you know churches are burned and bombed and that sort of thing on Christmas Day because it's an easy target, it's a, a concentrated group of Christians and it, it makes a real statement. So Christmas is still celebrated in a lot of these restricted nations, but it has to be done terribly secretly and um, and very carefully. Let me ask you to reflect for a moment, Tom, uh, when you say uh, churches are often burned and bombed on Christmas Day. Uh, for us who celebrate uh, all of the beauty of Christmas, uh, it's just so hard to believe that those sorts of things happen, but but this is this is real life for people in many nations around the world. Yeah, this real life, and and it's um, it's absolutely tragic to think that um, that that is what happens to people because they have faith um, in in their Lord and Savior. But it is a reality of life, and it is a biblical reality. Um, it's it's not something that's sort of new to us or hidden from us. Um, but it is something that they have to face every day of the year. Christmas Day, it's it's often a little bit more intense, and they face it um, they face it head on. And you know, we we hear repeatedly from these people that they would rather die worshiping their Lord and Savior than than live not worshiping Him. Um, it's a, a hard thing for us in the West, certainly, to get our heads around. And this is really what what Richard Wormbrand was um, was telling us that you know, it's persecution is a horrible thing. It's a tragic thing. It's a devastating thing. But to a, a Christian believer, it's something that um, is not near as bad as not being allowed to have a relationship with your Lord and Savior. Well, this persecution, and when we talk about Richard Wormbrand, uh, he was persecuted and imprisoned in Romania under a communist regime. Uh, there are still all sorts of different types of regimes that that uh, persecute believers around the world today. And while most of us, while we're thinking of the rise of Islam, uh, there are Islamic nations that are persecuting Christians. But, of course, uh, the one that comes to mind that's not an Islamic nation, which is the worst persecutor of Christians, of course, is uh, that land of North Korea. Uh, it, it's not just one ideology that persecutes Christians. Uh, the Christian message of 
faith and freedom in the Son of God uh, confronts many different ideologies. Yeah, absolutely. And North Korea is a, a good example. The, the difficulty there is that so few people actually know um, their, anything about the Christian world. They, they don't have access to any teaching on Christ. So, um, so they tend not to feel as though they're missing out on celebrating Christmas because it makes no sense to them Anyway, they celebrate the birthdays of their uh, their their leaders, um, which is tragic in itself. Um, but we also see in in other communist countries, in places like Vietnam, where Christians are not allowed to celebrate Chris, Christmas as a Christian celebration. Um, it, it is banned, and for them to meet or to have a service at Christmas. They have to do it underground again. But ironically, the shops are filled with Santa Claus and Christmas trees and and all the commercial side of Christmas. Um, So they're saying Christmas can exist as long as there's no Christ in it, which is a a bizarre sort of turnaround. Um, You know, they're happy to have the the spending and the the influx of of money that comes from that, but... um, they're, they still fear the fact that Jesus is the center of it, and, and so they make sure that that is not available to people. Um, so in Vietnam, we've got people who will be meeting on Christmas Day. They will be cooking up a feast. They'll be meeting together. They'll be giving thanks. They'll be praying. They'll be um, you know, sharing in the blessings that the Lord has given them, but they'll be doing it in secret, and they'll make sure that nobody sees them doing it because it, it puts them at risk. Well, I want to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation through this hour. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts to offer on why the Christian is feared by regimes around the world, why the story of Jesus Christ is feared. Uh, well, it's a it's a, a deep and interesting uh, discussion to get into, and we perhaps can have some of that sort of discussion this hour. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen is our number. Uh, Tom, when it comes to Christmas time, how can we prompt ourselves uh, to consider persecuted Christians at this time of year? Is there is there something that uh, that you like to communicate to supporters of Voice of the Martyrs? Yeah, I, I would. I would. Um... And I've started doing this personally since since I've been working at Voice of the Martyrs, and I find it helpful um, to use our own freedom. So we're we're free to worship, and we know that, um, but we're also free to be consumers, and we know that. So I would like to to just ask everyone, every every listener, and I ask everyone at my church, I ask everyone that I'm in contact with, um, just to remember that Jesus is the focal point of Christmas. Jesus is the reason that, that Christmas is here. So it's okay to, to you know, give gifts and that sort of thing. Don't worry about that, but don't make that the center of your Christmas. Remember that everything, every gift you give, every gift that you receive is a gift from God and to treat it as such. So, um, you know, I, I found that ourselves, my own family, would be um, terribly consumer-oriented. That was just the way that Christmas went. You know, you went and did the presents, you 
you took the holidays, you, you, you know, deck out the house and do all those sort of things. But it was forgetting the fact that you're celebrating um, something that's, that's fulfilled the scriptures and changed our lives eternally. So, um, so please just remember that when you, you know, when you sit down to say your prayers over Christmas dinner, don't say, you know, thank you for great gifts and, and a good turkey. Say thank you that, um, that I've got a place in heaven eternally because that really is what it comes down to. And people who aren't able to express that openly, that's what they're expressing on the inside. That's what they're, they're expressing in secret with the, the people that are in fellowship with them. And, um, and it's such a beautiful thing. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Or one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, we're talking about Christmas around the world in nations where it's outlawed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and of course that dates back uh, two thousand years to the birth of Jesus. And uh, you might like to have your own contribution. You might like to uh, express how you understand the Christmas story and the connection to persecuted believers. Our special guests this hour, Tom Carr, who's the General Manager of Voice of the Martyrs Australia, is with us, and also being joined now by Jeanette from Open Doors. Uh, Jeanette, uh, Open Doors, a wonderful ministry and founded by Brother Andrew, and a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Open Doors and the book called God's Smuggler, and Open Doors exists to strengthen and empower Christians who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ and something like 60 countries around the world now and when we say 60 countries Jeanette uh, sometimes 60 countries sounds like an awful lot of countries where there is persecution of believers yes well hello Neil and hello to your listeners and you know 60 countries we could go more than that we sort of have our you know world watch list of 50 countries and certainly 60 countries but you know really there's many countries around the world and as you say it's it's 60 years since we've been doing that ministry 60 years ago and I was privileged enough to go to Eastern Europe this year and and go to the places, some of the countries that, you know, where Brother Andrew took his Bibles into that were, you know, communist-bound countries. And, and I saw such a encouragement to pray and to, to believe that God will protect his word and his ways. And, you know, we've come full circle as a ministry because the first Bibles we took were into Poland. And today we have a, an office in Poland. Of course, you know, the communism fell in, in the 80s there and uh, the Berlin Wall and and so, you know, it's an encouragement never to give up and such such a call to, to pray for people around the world that, yes, as Tom mentioned, are going to sort of secretly celebrate Christmas. And, and I wanted to pick up on one thing Tom said earlier about, you know, Iran. You know, we had a pastor last year who just had his family over, big family, uh, for Christmas and had, had a lunch. But the police came and arrested him because he had more than 20 people and they said it must have been a, a, a church gathering and because he hadn't registered it as a church gathering um, then he was uh, imprisoned and so you know and we have more than 20 people at our Christmas get together with the family but that that's you know how they can catch them out as well. Jeanette when we talk about persecution there are all sorts of different levels aren't there and the most severe of course is being executed for your faith which we know is happening in a far bigger scale than we're ever hearing in the media. 
but there are different different levels of persecution. Well, I, I think you know we have in our world watch this extreme persecution, severe, intense, and moderate. And you know, like I myself have been in quite a lot of countries, and sometimes the with moderate persecution, I'm talking to someone, uh, you know, and and people came around and grabbed her father and began cutting off his toes unless unless he went back to his original faith, you know, he'd become a Christian. And I'm thinking, well, is this moderate persecution? Like, so it's, it's, I guess we've got to categorize it, but certainly there, there are places where it's totally illegal to be a Christian. There is no um, church in Afghanistan. You know, like there's places like that. Um, you know, even in Myanmar, you can't be a country citizen and live as a Christian. Oh, sorry, sorry, in, in the Maldives. You know, and we think, oh, great place to, you know, go on a, a, a surfing trip. But you, you can't live there as a Christian, you know. So, um, you know, you have to either leave or die. Jeanette, when we think of Christmas Day, an interesting point you're raising there is that uh, that when the persecution happens, uh, when there are those, and it's not always the authorities, it sometimes is vigilantes who are roaming the streets looking for people to, I guess what they're trying to do when they bring the persecution is to bring about some sort of reconversion. So, uh, so in, in an Islamic country where you were Islamic, you've converted to Christianity uh, a time like Christmas rolls around and the vigilantes are at your door and they want you to reconvert back to uh, to Islam. Is that the way it often works? Yes, and especially for those that have, you know, come out of say, the Islamic faith and what we call Muslim background believers and, you know, really they're still part of their functioning family so they can't really even let it be known so there's no way they can celebrate except in their heart Christmas. But there's those that might sort of take the, the risk to, to meet together. And yes, there is certainly those, there's calls from um, religious authorities and it's not always Islam, it can be Hindu or it can be, you know, especially, you know, in Bangladesh and places like that, the intensity there is, is hugely growing um, from, all, from all quarters, um, you know, for those that have converted from one faith to Christianity. And so, yes, most definitely neighbours will report them to authorities. Uh, it's a real, a real risk. Well, Jeanette, having been uh, accompanying uh, an open doors expedition into some of these uh, persecuted lands into the Middle East, as I was able to do about 18 months ago, I have a deep appreciation for open doors and the work that you do. Mm. I am also aware that at this time of year, while we're sweltering in the summertime, uh, there are many who have fled their home and uh, and, and uh, in refugee camps and and where it's winter in places like the Middle East, uh, there's a necessity for like winterization programs where where, where people are uh, looked after. And I know that Open Doors has a, a significant involvement in doing that. Uh, for believers in those areas. What happens this time of year when winter well, sets in in the Middle East? It, we've even got to change the tents that they live in. You know, summer, summer tents which are lighter to, to heavier, durable winter tents, making sure that all kids have got shoes. Uh, simple things like that, you know, sort of being in buckets and buckets of shoes to make sure, because if they're scampering around in the heat, it, they kind of don't mind that. But, you know, as snow falls, as it gets colder, certainly providing, you know, people with... But at the moment, you know, we've got, you know, 15,000 families that we're sort of looking after in terms of providing 
you know, meals for them. I'm, I'm hoping, and I don't, can't say that that's true, that maybe over Christmas there can be something special in their pack for, for, for Christmas time because uh, Christians, especially in Iraq and Syria, would, would openly, in Iraq certainly they did, openly celebrate Christmas. And uh, things are very different for them. And they, yes, they're refugees in certain areas and, and they just don't have the means to, to celebrate. I'm sure that they'll gather and go to the churches uh, when they are in the camps and that does give them a liberty to be together at least to to have a celebration. But let's not think it's a celebration like we have, Neil. No, and I'm going to get Tom's perspective on this as well, but it always astounds me just how hard it is to be generous to those persecuted believers who are living in secret uh, in various nations around the world. And obviously our mind uh, goes towards Syria because Syria is one of those nations where it's the hotbed of of uh, real challenge when it comes to the violence that's going on there right now. But you can't just, uh, you know, you can't just easily just give some money and you can't just even through your local church just uh, mm-hmm. be a blessing to people in Syria. Mm-hmm. It comes to having a mechanism by which you can get some resources into these nations. And and Open Doors yeah. is, a, is a wonderful way that you can actually get some resources to people who really need it on the ground. That's where we put our hand up, Neil, and we say we can do this. We've been, we've been working in, in countries like Iraq since 2003 or before that, but, you know, from the fall of Saddam Hussein. We've got wonderful links with the churches there. We work through the churches. We don't go in with a banner saying, here's Open Doors. You won't even hear that Open Doors is working there if you're in the country. But we go in and we work through the churches. And in Syria, we've got some wonderful pastors there. And we've I just want to say to a, if we've got listeners out there that have given to our Syria campaign, we've been blessed by people giving over and above. And, uh, you know, the funds are getting there. People are, you know, we're making that commitment to keep feeding people, to keep supplying, you know, winter clothes and whatever is needed to really sort of helping the refugees that are, that are remaining there because that's the call of, of Open Doors Ministry is to strengthen the church in order that they might remain and be the church in those places. And, you know, we've just had a, a pastor from the borders of Lebanon out here in Australia, and he's got 1,500 families that Open Doors is helping uh, him feed and educate the children. And, um, you know, he, he says people, Muslims are coming to faith by the hundreds. And we love to hear that story because they're being the church and offering up, you know, Jesus as the Lord and Muslims are coming to Christ through that. And let me ask you, Tom Carr, uh, the General Manager of Voice of the Martyrs, uh, you guys uh, similarly are a conduit uh, for the opportunity for people to actually be a blessing to persecuted believers. Yeah, that's right. We um, we work much in the same way as Open Doors and, and, um, and try to get on the ground with the persecuted believers and, and find out what their needs are and how we can help them. Um, and I'll, I'll just note, we um, we met with the CEO of Open Doors um, a few weeks ago who had just come back from the Middle East, from Iraq, um, doing exactly that, finding out what the needs were, how, how they can serve them best through the churches in Iraq, and, and, um, and just getting right down in the front line with them, which is, um, which is just such a commendable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us to do that, for, for different organizations to do that, is not always easy, and, and they were fortunate to get that trip done when they did because um, 
I was there last week and was not allowed into Iraq uh, just because there was a lot of sort of active fighting um, and and that door closed to me. But um, but yeah, it really does involve getting on the front line, getting into the, the restricted nations that these things are going on and seeing exactly what we can do to help. The, the problem we've often got and the temptation is just to throw a whole lot of money at someone and, and let them sort it out. It, it's not quite as simple as that. And, and for this, um, for this reason, Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors are, are a little bit unique in that we're both working on the ground, understanding exactly what the needs are and, and being able to, um, to deal with those needs. So Jeanette, absolutely hats off to you, um, Jeanette, and to the whole organization. It's, it's fantastic what you're doing. You know what? I can't sing the praises high enough except to God and give him thanks for uh, people like Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs for the wonderful work that they do in resourcing and supporting those churches in the Middle East. Uh, Jeanette, we're going to lose you in just a, a few moments, That's but uh, is there a special program that people can, uh, can, can connect with today uh, with Open Doors to perhaps uh, give to any appeals that you might have at Christmas time? Certainly. Uh, what, what's, uh, uh, what can people do? Is people jump on our website, and that's www.opendoors.org.au. Uh, we've certainly got uh, giving to Syria over and above. You know, that's not going to diminish. Uh, we're selling stars at the moment, which have been very popular, which we got from Bethlehem, with the countries of, like, little uh, wooden stars that you can hang on your Christmas tree with Syria, Iraq, and Nigeria on it. Uh, people can sort of give to that. That's a giving, and you receive the stars. But most certainly, uh, there's a wonderful blog there, right? up in the right-hand corner to see the work that we're doing and just click on any donate play page and we appreciate that. And, and I want to honour Tom and the work that he's doing and just say to your listeners, you know, we don't work in competition with one another but we work together because, you know, God has blessed us beyond measure in, in our Western world and our Western ways and we need to work together to, to do what Jesus has called us to do, to, you know, uh, we're always going to have the persecuted and we are always going to need to, to serve them in this way. Well, Jeanette from Open Doors, just great to get your insights into uh, believers at Christmas time in nations where there is persecution of Christians. And Jeanette, uh, appreciate your input today here on 2020. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Neil, and God bless your listeners. It's Neil with you. It is the Monday edition 2020. We're talking about Christmas in those nations around the world where believers are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ and taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Tom Carr, the General Manager of Voice of the Martyrs, uh, with us this hour. Let's take some calls, Tom. Uh, Let's hear from George in Rockhampton. Hello, George. Thanks for being so patient and uh, waiting on the line for a little while. What are your thoughts? Hello. Uh, last week I was doing some stuff on Google Plus and sharing um, with other Christians. It's a Christian site. Well, other, anyone can come onto that site. It's a bit like a Facebook. I was challenged about calling it Christmas and advised to call it Happy Holidays, which is to leave Christ out of Christmas. So... What we decided that was we would call it Happy Birthday Jesus. So I shared that with the church on Sunday and, and that was pretty well received because it gives special an opportunity to 
Got a little bit of noise there coming in the background, but uh, but the idea of uh, this political correctness that says take the Christ out of Christmas and just call it Happy Holidays. Uh, let's uh, a thought or two from Tom Carr. Tom, you've been hearing these sorts of things here in Australia, and and the idea that some people might be offended by having the Christ in Christmas. Uh, what are your thoughts on what what George is sharing? Yeah, we we hear that all the time, and you know it's just an absurd thing that um, I think realistic, realistically you'll find that 99% of non-Christians are more than happy to call it Christmas and they're more than happy to acknowledge the fact that the celebration is actually celebrating the birth of Christ. Um, we've got Muslim neighbours here in Sydney who um, who are more than happy to, to do that and on Christmas um, we always take a bit of turkey over to them. Um, they cook up a bit of food for us, a bit, a bit of Middle Eastern food, and we enjoy each other's company, and, and they're quite happy to do that. I think you get a, a very small, um, very noisy group of people who try to impart that political correctness, and it, it, there's just really no place for it. I think it's um, it's silly when it happens, and I think it's... Um, best to try and ignore that but i love the idea of calling it um jesus birthday i think that's a, a fantastic response to it fantastic stuff george and uh, you know in our family over a number of years our christmas cake has had writing on it it says happy birthday jesus so that christmas cake truly is a birthday cake and uh, keep doing what you're doing george and thanks so much for your input today here on 2020 one 316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today let's hear from an anonymous caller hello anonymous caller welcome along to 2020 hello yes uh, um, yes hello Yes, what would you I, like to say? I, I'm very concerned about what's been happening in a, a local post office, and I feel that it's happening in our post office. It could be happening everywhere. But every time at Christmas I want stamps, they issue me ordinary stamps. Now, last year I asked for Christmas stamps. They had went out the back and got them. This year um, I said to the person who served me, I said, as usual, given ordinary stamps, I said, look, I said, I don't want these stamps. I want Christmas stamps, please, you know. So, um, and I said, this seems to be happening a lot every year. Now, if it's happening in our post, I just want people to, to be, you know, we can stand up and we could make a difference if we all insisted, well, those who want to insist, that we get Christmas stamps. Well, it does seem very unusual that you wouldn't have Christ represented at Christmas, doesn't it? And, no, uh, that's right. And so what you're saying is you were actually denied any Christmas-oriented stamps, that the post office wasn't issuing Christmas-oriented stamps this year? Uh, well, no, but they found some. Um, they brought me some out from under the desk this time. But that's because I insisted. I said, I don't want those stamps that you've given me. I said, I want Christmas stamps. It, for Christmas, I said, it's Christmas, the ones I want. You know, and I think, well, they're probably doing it to other people and they're not aware that uh, it's happening. Let's get some thoughts from Tom Carr. Tom, have you heard of this sort of thing happening before? Yeah, I have, and it is starting to um, to become a thing. The, 
one thing, I, I mean, I don't like it when it happens, but one thing I do like about it is it reminds me of what is happening to our persecuted brothers and sisters, that even in, um, as Jeanette said, there are different levels of persecution. And, and so you look at countries where it's as mild as you could get, um, they wouldn't even have the opportunity to ask for Christmas stamps they you know they'd, they'd be arrested for that sort of thing so as you hear of this happening um, in the west it's great to remember that that is just the the absolute tip of the iceberg for the reality for so many people all day every day um, you know people that that not only are they not allowed to get um, stamps that remind us of the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas but they're not allowed to worship. They're not allowed to go to church. They're not allowed to have a Bible, these sort of things. So it is a frustrating pointer, but a wonderful one at the same time. It's a, a, a great prompt for us to remember what is happening out there. Well, thank you so much to our anonymous caller. Well, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to be part of our conversation. Uh, Tom, just to uh, just to raise here, and uh, I've been hoping that might have a listener or two that might have drawn this conclusion, that Jesus himself, when we talk about the first Christmas day, uh, the Son of God, born to Mary, uh, and then laid in the manger in the stable, well, the Son of God, as interestingly uh, this is, that Jesus himself was a persecuted person uh, because uh, we know that uh, when the wise men came from the east and they went to Herod, who was Herod the Great, uh, well, he wasn't so thrilled to hear that a new king had been born that day. And uh, then when the wise men wisely said they won't go back to Herod and tell him where this new king would be found, Uh, that King Herod the Great ordered what we understand to be the slaughter of the innocents or putting every child under the age of two to the sword. And we know that Jesus uh, with his family then had to flee to Egypt. But when we talk about persecuted believers, uh, Jesus himself is a persecuted believer. Is that that's the case, isn't it, Tom Carr? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, um, and, you know, when, when we look at persecution in the Bible, it, it, it has been there from the start, and it, it's pointed out at so many different parts throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. Um, and, you know, Jesus um, told us, he, he explained that this is going to be our lives, this is going to be the world. We live in a fallen world, this is part of it. But to live... Um, within God's Word, and uh, and this is what we need to understand now. So this is what we see in, in persecuted nations and restricted nations, that um, that people don't succumb to this persecution. They live around it as followers of Christ, and, and that's such an important distinction. So don't let the, um, the rants of few um, make us, cause us to forget that Jesus did come for our salvation, and he did grant us that salvation. And he did so through um, immense persecution and, and, you know, death on the cross. It it wasn't a um, picnic for him. He didn't miss out on all the hard parts of life. He he was a, a shining example 
of uh, living those lives. And, and so we just need to look to him um, when we look at what's happening to persecuted believers and when we look at what's happening to um, him trying to be wiped out of the Christmas message that um, that this is a fallen world, this is a hard place, and we need to be strong. Well, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, you might have your own insights. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, hi. Um, I just uh, wanted to say um, my experience in Pakistan, I was there in Christmas time during the first Gulf War, actually, and um, there were missionaries there being threatened, their life was threatened, and some of them had to go back home. But um, the other thing I wanted to say is, as a Westerner, um, while I was there, and I was with friends, they're natural um, pa- Pakistanis and pastors and teachers, like um, Yol is a pastor and he is a teacher as well, and um, I, I had no sense of danger, and yet um, th- they would rouse me, especially during six weeks where I was housebound um, because of the danger. And um, they, they roused on me every time I answered that oh, I was so bored. It was this um, very primitive house, and for six weeks cooped up. And so it, whenever we got a knock on the door, I wanted to go and answer it. And they kept rousing on me, and um, they kept you know, saying that... Um, it, well, I said, they said, look, and they know that an American woman is living here. I said, I'm not American. They said, yeah, but they're not going to stop and ask. I'll just kill you. And um, so I could see the fear on their faces, uh, particularly at times, and they were wanting to um, uh, usher me back to a, a Christian village or something at times. But the other thing I wanted to say I observed there is um, the persecution. Um, I noticed that there were two cases. One was an old case. They showed me the, the court court um, writings on it but Christians are not allowed to be promoted over there they're, they're, they're second rate citizens and or even less and um, the fear there but the other thing that really impresses me is the Muslims do value um, what the Christians give um, the Christian schools, my, my um, friends uh, were teachers at the school a Christian school and they told me that every time um, you know the Muslim parents know that their kids are going to get the best training, best education in a Christian school. So they send them along there and then when the school gets bigger uh, and prospers, the government takes it over and makes it Muslim. And that happened, that happens all the time apparently. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh yeah, and the other thing, I, I think I've said it before, is that uh, Yol goes out and they have healing here and this other pastor. People do get healed. In fact, I had a healing through them. And um, the Muslims know that Jesus heals and everywhere I went with them one day, and um, Yol asked this lady that you, you know, you need to make him Lord Jesus because they can say thank you very much for the healing Jesus, but um, they refuse to make him Lord. So they're just my impressions. Mm, well, Robin, uh, great insights there. Uh, your thoughts, Tom Carr, on what Robin's sharing? Yeah, I, I love that, Robin. There, we um, had a similar experience about this time last year in Iraq where. Um, an evangelical minister lived next door to a Muslim cleric, and the Muslims often they had a wonderful relationship, and, and they were um, they were very much supportive of each other. The Muslims would occasionally bring people over to the Christians to be prayed over because they'd tried everything. They tried praying over them. They tried medical intervention. They they tried everything they could. Nothing would work. And their last resort, they'd bring him to the Christians. And the same thing, the, the Christian minister would say, 
Um, I can't pray over you until you accept that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and he is the Son of God. It's not Jesus a prophet. It's not um, it's not the Jesus that you've come to know. It is Jesus, the Son of God. And as soon as you believe that, I'm prepared to pray for you. So so one a woman had come over while we were there with a headache that she'd had for 15 years and she was crying and upset and, and carrying on. And, and that's what the minister said to her. And, and she said, I, I believe, I believe. And so he started praying over her. And it was at that time, maybe... 10 degrees outside. It was quite cold. It was coming into winter. And um, within seconds, probably 15 seconds, this woman broke into a complete sweat on her face, her arms, everything. She she just had beads of sweat coming out. And all of a sudden, she looked up with a huge smile and said, it's gone, and walked away. <laughs> and and I, I was astounded. I was absolutely shocked. Um, and But the man who had prayed over her just said, yeah, that's just, you know, part of life. Um, once people accept that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, this is what sort of things happen. And, wow. and it wasn't surprising to him. Um, mm. But I've never forgotten that, and I find it hard to tell people, certainly in Australia, because people just um, tend not to believe you. And, and I understand that. I, I wouldn't have believed myself either. So um, right. it's quite something to see these things go on. Life. Culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you. 2020 and uh, our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Had one caller call with a comment regarding those stamps and regarding Australia Post Christmas stamps. Apparently there are a lot of independent post offices where the owners will choose to hide the stamps. But with all the major post offices, uh, they apparently make them readily available. Our special guest this hour is Tom Carr. He's general manager of Voice of the Martyrs. Let's take another call, Tom. Uh, let's hear uh, it's another anonymous caller. Hello. Welcome along to 2020. Hi. Hi there. What are your thoughts? Look, it's just that when I hear things like, you know, the persecuted church and persecuted Christians and about the stamp situation, there's only one thing I know, that in, in Matthew 10, 33, it tells us very plainly, Hallelujah. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men confesses me. I will acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies and disowns me before men, I will also deny and disown him before my Father who is in heaven. That's a wonderful scripture because it tells us plainly in black and white just what God thinks about all this. That does, and, that uh, does. and that's, that's a very right. powerful scripture. Yay and amen. Okay, let's get some <laughs> thoughts. Tom, what are your <laughs> thoughts on our listener? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, the, the thing we need to be careful of is that we, make, we need to make sure that everybody does know this and, and that everybody is aware of this message. So, um, so yeah, I, I do agree with you wholeheartedly that, um, that we don't need to worry about this. God will, God will sort it out in the end, but our job is to make sure that everybody knows the good news. Thank you so much to that caller. Uh, Tom Carr, time running out. I wanted to ask you, uh, because uh, while we talk about Jesus and his own personal persecution, uh, he was also a refugee, as we discussed a little earlier, when the family had to take flight to Egypt. Uh, what are your concerns for refugees around the world today? Thanks, Neil. The, the thing that I've been seeing in the press, on Facebook, the the sort of buzz around the place is that a lot of Western countries are so terrified of the influx of 
particularly at the moment, Syrian refugees. So, you know, we're talking about 12,500 coming into Australia and people think they're going to take our jobs and they're going to take over and they're going to bring terrorists in and, and all this stuff. I just think um, having been shoulder to shoulder with the type of people who have been chased out of their homes, um, I, I've got to say I find that absolutely repulsive that um, that we're, we're so hard-hearted uh, in this way. Um, when people come in, when refugees do come in, sure, there'll be some issues that come along with them and there'll be adjustments that need to be made and there will be some cost. The cost isn't going to be even a blip on the economy of Australia and these are God's children. These are fellow humans that have suffered the most horrendous things that we could possibly imagine and I, I think for us to turn our backs on them um, is is just not even something that I would dare to think about. So as we, uh, just one thing that I'd like people to consider, especially this Christmas, is that as you, um, as we sit down to give thanks for our Christmas dinner and the gifts that we have at Christmas and our, our families and the, all the blessings that have been poured out upon us, um, before you start that prayer, as Christians, I would like us to just take five minutes around the table, around the Christmas table, to talk about what Christmas would be like if you didn't have, say, the freedom to worship, or you didn't have enough food, or you didn't have any family around you, or you didn't have, you know, presents, or a change of clothes, or any comfort, or, or you know, clean water, or plumbing, or all these things that refugees are currently doing without, and and then give thanks. So then when you give thanks for the things that you've got, Remember that God has given you these things, and we have got so much more than we need. Um, it is time for us to stand up and share with those who are doing it tough at the moment. Well, powerful thoughts there, Tom, and uh, I hope there are some listeners who'll make a note or two and say, this is what we ought to do on Christmas Day as we're giving thanks around the table. Uh, because uh, powerful and important. I want to give the website for Voice of the Martyrs. It's vom.com.au and you can support the activities of Voice of the Martyrs this Christmas. vom.com.au. Tom Carr, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Absolute pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.